Hello and welcome to Music 1240 Feminist Sonic Features. I'm Salma Mohammed, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about Robo Diva R&B, aesthetics, politics, and black female robots in contemporary popular music by Robin James. The question that is posed by Robin James in this essay is, what is at stake politically and aesthetically in black women presenting themselves as robots? The arguments that are presented are that the figure of the robo-diva evinces a tendency in white patriarchy to express its anxieties about technology in terms of black female sexuality and vice versa. And in critiquing the race and gender politics of mainstream Anglo-American popular music aesthetics deconstructs many of its values. The goal of this paper essentially was to fill the gap in theories of race, gender, aesthetics, and technology by focusing on the intersectional experiences of black women within the music industry and their presentations of sexuality and technology. In this podcast, I'm specifically going to address his example of Beyonce. So James begins the essay by arguing that the natural tendency of white Western patriarchy is to associate its racialized and gendered others with stereotypes of being closer to nature, less alienated, and more nurturing. James uses the example of a Dow chemical ad campaign. The campaign was an attempt on part of the company to distance itself from the impersonal and the industrial. Therefore, within traditions of white Western patriarchy, Dow used a black girl who seemed to be in a desert-like context and therefore presumably non-Western and is wearing her assumed traditional attire. This black girl's body is framed by a box from the periodic table with the letters HU on them, symbolizing the human element. Blackness and femininity in this context are appropriated to signify the brand's ethics of inclusion, community, and embodiment, and is an attempt to regain access to the ideas that rationality, notions of civilization, and industrial technology have distanced the company from. This argument and example fits perfectly with Bell Hook's essay on eating the other. In this essay, Hook states that the commodification of otherness has been successful because it offers the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy new delightful and satisfying ways of doing and feeling. Essentially, otherness acts as a spice to enhance the dullness of white mainstream culture. This longing for the primitive and fantasies about the other are continually exploited in this narrative, and this exploitation works to reinscribe and maintain the status quo. This very appropriation and eating of otherness is mentioned in Kadwo Eshun's critique of the classic 60s myth. The classic 60s myth is the myth of the blues and the Rolling Stones, and that the entire rock heritage arised from muddy waters and the Rolling Stones. However, when the reality is really that white 1960s rockers look to Delta blues as a source of inspiration and musical authenticity and real masculinity. The eating of the other occurs here because systems of white supremacy reduce black men to hypermasculinity and hypersexuality and then appropriate these stereotypes they've constructed, constructed to heighten their own sexual and artistic prowess. The appropriation of the black man's true masculinity, authenticity, and sexuality, and the subjugation of the actual black men in these controlling images helped white men resist anxieties about being perceived in the feminized position of object and therefore objectified in the ways that women are. James emphasizes that this critique not only uses colonial logics, but patriarchal ones as well. And because it is about race, it is also about gender, as the two function as mutually constitutive in this context. 
White men's anxieties of being feminized were at the core of this appropriation and subjugation of the other. In Eshin's Afrofuturist theory, he argues that black people are more robotic than human, and even argues that human categories are pointless and treacherous, in fact. Black people have not qualified as human within our colonial and capitalist societies, and therefore he equates alien objection, objections to the real events of slavery and the automatic machine to the equivalent of slave labor. There has always been a subhuman treatment of black people in entirely. However, in Eshun's analysis of craft work specifically, there is a switch in the method used to maintain power. Instead of resisting automation, Eshun argues that Craftwork explores it as a site of agency rather than viewing the position of the robot, which is also equated with the position of African Americans and marginalized people. However, this exercise of agency and resistance to automation, James argues, is because white bourgeois patriarchy refuses to be in the position of the marginalized, which is commodified, otherized, objectified, and meant for women, working class, and people of color. This analysis operates under the false idea that these groups are lacking agency. Eshun himself participates in this rhetoric when he speaks about Grace Jones. Grace Jones is used as an example of a woman who's constructed within the fashion beauty complex where ideal femininity is maintained through the use of commodities and modifications. And therefore, female embodiment can be understood as a cyborg state. By emphasizing the ways in which Grace Jones is acted upon within this complex, Asian is reducing her agency and limiting her agency to discussions through a masculinist agenda. However, here lies the anxieties of the black female sexuality and expressions of sexuality at the intersection of technology that is being highlighted by James. Eshun renders Jones as a passive su subject lacking agency, which is wholly untrue. The need for a critique on gender, race, and technology is presented in this lackluster presentation of Grace Jones by Eshun. James states that even though masculinity is, in patriarchy, the controlling gender term, it is so because femininity functions as its constitutive outside. Therefore, James then presents Heysen's critique of the 1927 German film of Metropolis, and Heysen's analysis of Metropolis, he discusses the robot as a technological, alienated, disembodied double of Maria, the real woman. Maria's essence is transferred to the robot version of herself. In the film, Heysen identifies within Robot Maria the unity of an active and destructive female sexuality and the destructive potential of technology. Heysen argues that this expresses early fears of technology in terms of patriarchy's fear of female sexuality. Both are seen as subjects which are desirable and horrifying, and that these objects must both be controlled and disciplined, otherwise may become potentially destructive. The film does not equate femininity with nature and masculinity with technology, and therefore it emphasizes that both technology and female sexuality both have the power to threaten order if left untamed or undomesticated. Heysen argues that woman, nature, and machine all function as a mesh of signification with commonality of otherness. By way of this perceived otherness, they are both feared for the potential destructiveness and desired within the colonialist and capitalist tradition of eating the other. 
This ambivalence about technology is mapped onto the well-known virgin-whore dichotomy. And while these arguments all hold true, there is a lack of race critique alongside that of gender. Hoysen speaks to an abstract notion of femininity and does not address the realities of white privilege and racism, which deems some women, typically white, as neutral and obedient, and some women, typically black, as inherently threatening and lacking control. James uses Beyonce's 2007 BET performance to discuss the intersection of race, gender, aesthetics, and technology. Beyonce references both The Matrix and Metropolis in her performance of Get Me Bodied. James argues that whether intentionally or unintentionally, Beyonce establishes a context in which one is at some distance from one's real, real embodied self. Much like Maria and Metropolis, there exists the robo version of Beyonce and the real flesh and blood Beyonce. Beyonce's lyrics to Get Me Bodied show the monologue of a woman searching to get bodied and self-reunificate. In this mission, she addresses that it is the attention of a man that she seeks to capture by getting ready with him in mind. James argues that the bodiedness achieved by Beyonce is through the lens of achieving the man's acknowledgement of her sexual desirability. In the lyrics of Get Me Bodied, Beyonce states that she ain't worried doing her tonight and stand in her role of herself and will perform as herself even if it is an experience of her own subjectivity in a mediated sense. I would further argue that Beyonce is expressing agency throughout the song in a way that pushes back against Eshin's ideas about the female subject taking on a passive role within these complexes. Beyonce says, Mission five, skip to the front of the line, let me fix my hair up before I go outside. Mission six, gotta check these chicks, cause you know they gon' block when I take these flicks. Mission seven, gotta make my rounds, giving eyes to the guys, now I think I found him. Mission eight, now we conversate and we skip small talk, let's cut straight to the chase. I would argue that in the set of lyrics, Beyonce is actually reclaiming her um, sexuality and femininity um, in a way that poses a threat to a patriarchal society that seeks to domesticate and control female sexuality and presentations of femininity and that the role of the robo diva in this sense is her understanding of the ways in which her alignment with technology and her embodied experience of being a black woman and having narratives of hypersexuality presented on her that she has a right to reclaim her ability to do whatever it is that she please. She doesn't mind doing her tonight. And that doesn't and that means it doesn't matter who's watching, it doesn't matter what people are thinking of her, because at the end of the day she has a mission and she's going to accomplish that by any means necessary. I think that there is a common experience shared by the robot suited Beyonce and the Beyonce that is flesh and blood. When she exits the suit, she's still alienated in the body of a sexualized black woman who's posing a threat to the status quo, which seeks to subjugate via the devices and the technology of the music industry itself and the misogynoir she experiences as a black woman who is automatically deemed hypersexual no matter her actions. The virgin whore dichotomies are racialized and present white women as asexual beings and black women as excessively sexual. I believe that the use of the figure of the robo-diva helped Beyonce come into her agency and her power of 
humanity and vulnerability within the music industry. In fact, um, in a world where black people are constantly subjugated under structures that do not serve us, it is easy to adopt theories of Afrofuturism and posthumanism because the world we live in reflects that and re-inscribes us within narratives both projected and accepted about our own subhumanness. And after B-Day, Beyonce took on the alter ego of Sasha Fierce, which I believe was the moment she fully stepped into her role as the robo-diva. Um, she adopted a lot of aesthetics that were very Afrofuturistic and aligned with technology. And one of her biggest songs off of Sasha Fierce was Diva. And in Diva, Beyonce is talking her shit and taking ownership of her successes in the face of critics who had negative things to say about her B-Day album. The album I Am Sasha Fierce was divided into two facets of Beyonce's own artistry. The Sasha Fierce portion had the songs Diva, Ego, Video Song, Vone, and these are like some of her most cocky songs. And I believe by taking on the alter ego of the Robo Diva that Beyonce was able to connect with her own embodiment of her artistry and all of its facets. As both black woman and post-human or robot even, Beyonce maintains identities and aesthetics that threaten a white supremacist patriarchal society. In her adoption of the robo-diva figure, Beyonce continued post-B-Day with the alter ego of Sasha Fierce. Through this, we were able to get the maturity of four and finally the self-entitled album where Beyonce is taking full ownership of her sexuality, her femininity, and her experiences in the world in a very vulnerable and extremely human way. And then also the masterpiece that is Lemonade and Beyonce finally really taking us into her interior world, like inviting us in and letting us know about the hardship she experienced, um, being a mother and her relationship with Jay-Z and cheating and breaking up and getting back together and just the trials of being a black woman in this world and doing that through an intergenerational lens as well and talking about her mom and her sisters and her daughter. And I truly believe that in conversation with these texts and Beyonce's own journey, that resistance and the power of resistance can be having an understanding of the ways in which you are perceived and the controlling images that are projecting projected onto you and using them to send messages to the dominant white supremacist patriarchal society that you cannot be tamed and you cannot be controlled and if that means that in your eyes I am subhuman or not human or superhuman whatever it is at least you can send the message that you are still here and that you will continue to persist despite all these structures that are trying to kill you each and every single day and that you will claim ownership of your own humanity and demand that others see it the same way and i believe that's beyonce's power and i believe that her journey is one that beautifully summarizes all the different things that are being discussed in this particular essay about 
aesthetics, gender, race, and sexuality. And I believe that Beyonce's adoption of the robo diva figure as a post-human figure actually helped her reclaim her own humanity in an industry that either tries to make her superhuman or post-human or hyper something and never just a human being and I believe that there is power in the role of the robo figure as a vehicle for people living at the margins within our society to take control of the controlling images that deny us our humanity and still be human with them.